Hey, you are listening to Oh Crap Parenting with me, your host, Jamie Gorlacki. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. Today, I am thrilled to be conversing with Allie Tickton. She, okay, she is an M-A-O-T-D-O-T-R slash L. S-I-P-T. Yeah, and we're going to go through what all those letters mean in a few minutes. But more importantly, she's the founder and author of the book of um, Play to Progress. Her mission is to empower children and their families through sensory play so they can thrive through childhood and beyond. She provides parents an overview of all eight, yes, eight senses, and if you listen to my podcast, you should know what they are, gives parents a way to enhance those senses at home. She uses the science of child development and the joy of play to boost children's confidence and enhance development within all areas of their life, from social and emotional to physical and academic. Allie believes the best way to support children is by arming their parents from inception with the knowledge and skills necessary to encourage their child's development for success through childhood and beyond. Hi, Allie. Hi. I'm so excited to be here and be chatting all things sensory. Yes, for sure. So first of all, let's talk about these letters after your name. <laughs> the letters. All right, let's go for it. <laughs> so the MA is master's. I have okay. a master's in occupational therapy. I also have okay. a clinical doctorate in occupational therapy. That's the OTD. Okay. The OTRL is I'm a registered licensed occupational therapist. Okay. <laughs> and the SIPT is a sensory certification. <laughs> so, okay, awesome. Um, so you are qualified. <laughs> <laughs> My life is sensory. It's really like First of all, I believe I was born to work in sensory. I was born to work in sensory because okay. I was a child who needed sensory work as a child. I didn't get it, but I found my own ways around it, my own ways to learn, my own ways to regulate. Okay. Um, I was a child who did not potty train <laughs> and... I suspect it had to do with my own sensory system. Well, you potty trained at some point. At some Did point. Did you not potty train easily or you didn't potty train at the typical I was quite age. late. Um, okay. And also, which by the way, in my opinion too, like you're quite late. Great. Do it on your own time. You know, I needed extra time for my mm -hmm. body. I wasn't ready. Um, right. And so that was a big piece. I think my sensory needs really came into it. They definitely had an impact on my learning, um, my regulation, everything and still continue to, I would say as an adult, I'm much more aware of my sensory system than the average person, of course. But as we're sitting here, if you notice, I have coffee because I would not be able to sit and just stay still for even an hour. So mm -hmm. that is my coping mechanism is I pour myself okay. a cup of coffee. So we all have our things, you know? Right. So, so, so that's how you got into it. What, let, well, let's break this down so that we start for people who may not be aware. What, let's talk about the eight senses, first of all. Yeah. So we have, I never know, like people are like the main five. I hate that because it's not the main five. Okay. They're all important. Um, it's the five that we learned in the school. Better years known ago. five is what I call them. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. The better known five, they're no more important than the other three that some people call hidden. My dream is that they become unhidden. And we mm -hmm. really start to learn about all of them. You know, we want all kids to understand their body. They need to understand their senses to do that, right? So yeah. we have our vestibular sense. It's essentially like our sense of movement. A lot of people have heard of the vestibular sense when it comes to like vertigo, balance, things like that. Mm -hmm. It is important for balance for sure. It does other things as well. Um, we have our proprioceptive sense. This is my personal favorite sense. And I have heard you talk about this, Jamie, in terms of heavy work, right? And mm -hmm. you call it big play, I believe. Um, yep. So heavy well, big play encapsulates heavy work. Pro for me, it's more using the parental trap these days is thinking that an hour of soccer is proprioceptive. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, 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 the running is good, but it's adult led and they're not using any other motion they're not using running. like ideation um right. which is 
we don't need to get into what ideation is in this moment, but if you are watching more. <laughs> Next moment. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it is a very calming input. It tends to be very, very regulating. And then this heavy work. So think like force against your muscle. The time when I was coming through OT school, CrossFit was like all the rage. And mm-hmm. I used to say to parents, think like, CrossFit for kids. Like you want them to push the laundry basket, to use their muscles, to use that force against their muscles. So that tends, those tend to be very regulating tasks. And um, proprioception is our sense of where we are in space. Very important. You can imagine. Then let's talk about interoception. Interoception is our internal awareness, right? It tells us about our internal body. Why is this important? Well, if I can't feel I have to go to the bathroom, do you think I'm ever going to potty train? You know, I need to understand that rumble in my tummy. That means I'm hungry. Right. That's all telling us about our internal body. I would argue, actually, when it comes to us as adults, we need to be talking about this because so many of us did not get this as children you know? And so it's important to talk to kids young about their body. Yeah. 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 And I find what I'm finding right now is it's a hot word interoception. It's a hot word right now. And so people are talking about that in potty training, but my experience with it is that a child doesn't have the singular problem of not knowing they have to go to the bathroom. It's, it's across a couple of areas. And I'm like, if you've never been worried about it, except in this one sliver, it, it typically, it typically isn't, but we do, I am seeing much higher sensory needs right now in, in my work for sure. And you hit the nail on the head right there when you said that. So oftentimes it will be one thing that triggers a parent to come to us for an evaluation or come to us Mm -hmm. for services. Often it could be a child is hitting, is biting in preschool, something like Mm -hmm. that. And then when we do the evaluation, what do we find? We do often find more. I'm not going to lie. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, And so my, my thing that I tell all parents, do we all have some sensory needs? I believe we do. You know, we all have our own ways of regulation. We all have our own ways of getting sensory input. I can't tell you how many parents sit in front of me and when we're talking about their child's sensory system, they're like, that was me. I got (laughs) thrown out of the classroom every day. Yeah. Or, oh, I used to do that. My parents used to yell at me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like what what are some of the things that parents are, are, well, what would get you kicked out of a classroom? Let's start with that. So I'm doing it right now. Do you see me gently moving? So if you guys see, I know some people are just listening right now. I'm in a swivel chair and I'm moving. That is helping me. I will tell you when I was in second grade, one of the early grades, I don't know the exact grade. I wrote on a reflection paper. We found it during COVID that I was too fidgety and I needed to improve that. But what if we shifted that mindset for me as a child and said, it's not that you're too fidgety. It's that your body needs more movement. Here's how you can get it without disrupting the class. But back in our day, what did that equal? You were moving. What happened? You got thrown out of the class. Back in our day, Allie, I got clients right now that are getting kicked out of preschool for this shit. (laughs) We have all of that too. It's, it's not even high school. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's young kids. It is. Yeah. Um, and it's still, ha- you're right. And that brings me to this point of the reason I feel like I'm screaming about sensory to the top of my lungs. The reason I have chosen to really devote my life to this is you're right. We need to start looking at education and saying, wait a second, we need to create more sensory inclusive classrooms. Because first of all, sensory is actually the foundation for development. What is your first stage? The sensory motor stage of learning, right? Yeah. What does that mean? You're actually learning by moving and engaging your senses. It is the foundation. Sensory Mm -hmm. is everything, but parents don't even really know what sensory play is. I am happy like sensory is having a bit of a buzz moment. But when I ask parents, hey, what's sensory play? Right now, you know what they tell me? They say it's tactile. 
They're like, Matt, yeah, we play. Yeah, yeah. So, or they think it's it's tiring the child out, which has its benefits, but it's still not sensory play. Like they'll be like, well, how about swimming? Yeah, swimming's great, but that's not always just sensory play. And I think there's a reason like out of the pandemic, these forest schools are thriving. I like mm-hmm. follow them all on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course they're thriving because kids need to be outside with, you know, with, with the environment and not just sitting right. still. Yeah. And, I and I, I'm seeing an explosion. Go ahead. Sorry. Swimming does is great proprioceptive input. It is a mm-hmm. form of engaging your senses for sure. And, um, we, but you're right in that we want them to have the opportunity to engage their senses freely as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what does that mean? Well, I always say when we do an evaluation, we bring a child into the gym and we watch them for a port- portion of it. Mm-hmm. What are we looking for? Kids will often, their body will tell you what their body needs. Right. It may not tell you in the safest way, Right. <laughs> <laughs> It may jump off a couch. They may jump off a couch into pillows and break their arm. That's not exactly the way we want them to do it. But they're telling us what they need. Their body is telling us, I need this input. It's very common with preschoolers who bite. Yeah. I always say like any sort of quote unquote bad typical behavior that parents come to me with, I'm like, it's, you have to decode the sensory need. It's not, I think it's all sensory need, you know? And I just think we're so deprived. I think there's been an uptick because we're so deprived. The thing I rail against the most is early academics. Like these three-year-olds like being forced to write. And I'm like, no, that's not the work of childhood. (laughs) The work of childhood is playing to build the muscles so that later you can sit and write, you know, but we're depriving kids so much like even in a time of years gone by the little kids would be out playing with the big kids you you know what I mean playing hard and so I think that's like responsible for a lot of the uptick of all these needs totally and what you're saying so I'm right there with you and this is my argument back to it and this is why it's so critical that we're actually engaging in play in preschool I would argue preschool is just as important, if not more important than elementary school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kids at this age, how are they creating the neural connections in their brain? Remember the first stage of learning, sensory motor stage, they're actually creating these neural connections through engaging their senses. Mm-hmm. That is what we need to be focusing on when they're in preschool. We must be focusing on play. I cannot tell you how many kids do not know how to play anymore. I blame toys. There's a lot of things that I think are at play here for the reason we're not seeing kids be able to just play and pretend play. I really believe, and I would love to do a research study on this, that we start learning our interests little. You know, my friends, they'll often say to me, you're so lucky that you found your passion as young as you did. And my argument to that is I I agree. And also I'll say back to them, so what did you play when you were little? Mm -hmm. Go talk to the people who've truly found their passions and ask them what they played when they're little. I always notice a connection. I played with dolls nonstop when I was little. I was always playing with dolls and moving. I was outside a lot. I grew up in the middle of the Midwest where we were just like outside with the neighborhood kids and you like came in when the lights went down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, like we grew up on lakes and never wearing shoes. And even in winter, we were outside. Like we were always moving our body. And parents were the most boring, awful thing ever. Exactly. That's, Allie, I always say if I had a magic wand, I would bring home, I would bring back neighborhood play. Like parents get out of your kid's business. They learn from other kids. They should be (laughs) Kids. <laughs> no, and I don't think I'd be who I was without my neighborhood. And I mean, we used to just like go to each other's house, knock, knock. Can so-and-so come play today? Yes, exactly. You know? Or like everyone would flock out. We don't see that anymore. And, um, you know, not only do we not see that, everything's very organized, very like we're going to have a play date from 1.30 to 3.30. And on that 
play date. We're going to play. It's not even like they're going to come over and just play. We've like now created this craft that they're going to play together, which sometimes that's fun and that's wonderful, but it's also important that they have opportunities to actually explore free play together. And sometimes we have to bridge a child into free play because they're not there yet. But my concern is what I'm seeing that so many kids don't know how to play. Yeah. Would you know? Okay. So first of all, I wanted to go back to, I'm actually sitting on a balance ball, but I've mastered (laughs) the art of moving my pelvis without really moving my upper. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have furniture in my house. People, I have nowhere to sit in my house. It's all things that like you have to go down on the floor for. (laughs) Um, But what, wait, 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 what were you just saying? I thought that was really funny. Oh, but how to play. So um, tag. Tag is outlawed in a lot of schools now at recess because kids can no longer tag a person lightly and turn around very quickly to run away. So mm-hmm. they're plowing kids down and kids are getting hurt. So they've like, first of all, that's the wrong thing is to, to then not let them play tag at all. But yeah, they don't know how to even play those physical games. I coached my son's baseball team about 10 years ago. And I was like, all right, let's start with like leapfrog and wheelbarrow. And everybody's like, leapfrog? What's leapfrog? Didn't know how to play leapfrog. Didn't know what wheelbarrow was. And I was like, come on, you guys. Right. And so what else we're seeing, and I don't know if you have this, but here in LA, most of our schools do not have swings um, because there's an insurance rule, some rule. That's so gross. And so I don't know what the exact rule is. There's some rule about space, something like we're very tight in space here. So even... So basically no schools have swings. Like once in a blue moon, you'll find a school with a swing. And Mm -hmm. if they happen to have a lot of space and can have that, most of our schools do not have swings. And in fact, a lot of our playgrounds, like the elementary playgrounds are like, there's a lot that are just one open yard. So that doesn't give them the opportunity to actually move and explore all of their senses, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. You talked about the pandemic earlier. Here in LA, our parks were closed for a very long time. So kids at didn't, first school wasn't open. You know, they weren't even getting this sensory input at all. And um, it's this piece where we're seeing, oh, wow, this has a big impact. And I think what we need to learn and what we need to recognize is the work of preschool, the work of childhood is sensory play. It is the absolute foundation. It is critical. And it starts in infancy. And um, does it look different in infancy than it does in childhood? Of course. But we want to start introducing the sen- a lot of sensory input, not too much because then we can you know, overload. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yes, we need to watch their cues and read this balance and it is this dance. But what we don't want is to just avoid any of it. And that is right. where we've gone. And what we've turned to is a lot of electronics, a lot of screens. And I'll be very honest that I hear a lot of people um, that, you know, they'll, they will think, I'm trying to word this the right way. They'll think of to worry about it. <laughs> a screen as, oh, my little one can sit on a screen for three hours, but can't play a game. Well, what is the difference there, right? These screens are just mesmerizing. That's not attention. Like right. these are just pure mesmerizing in their face. There's shows like Cocomelon. I believe Cocomelon is like a drug. And I've, um, I've heard that from several people because of the editing that it's, it's like, like this, it, it's quick edits. Yeah. yeah. That it's yeah. lighting brains on fire. Exactly. And so what I, I, I recognize it's 2023 and we are, our kids are going to be introduced to screens, right? But let's do it in a way, go to PBS. Let's be mm-hmm. mindful. Yeah. TV, not an iPad. You know, things yeah. like that. Yes, that's my big thing is not solitary. I think, too, like my audience is really probably well aware of all the screens. And, you know, a lot of my clients don't do any screen time whatsoever. And I always say, you know, in this in the age of no help, 
yes, if you're using it as a babysitter, know you're using it as a babysitter, but mm-hmm. have parameters around it, you know? But I, I think too, the, the thing that breaks my heart are more of the societal things. You know, I have clients who moved to a particular area because they knew it was all families of young kids kids don't play outside anymore. They're all in organized sports. So what led that? Oh, people, everybody thinks people are looking at college applications with their Mm -hmm. kindergartners sports activities. So we've gone to this like organized thing, or like you said, the play dates are hyper organized. We don't do process art anymore. It's like, let's do the turkey, the hand turkey. It's Thanksgiving. You know, like it's everybody creates the same thing. So, and this push for early academics, particularly after the, we're all behind after the pandemic is driving me up a fucking wall because (laughs) these kids, like, I don't know how, like, oh, my three-year-old's penmanship sucks. I was like, because you're fucking three-year-olds shouldn't be writing because they should be playing and getting their sensory play, getting their proprioceptive systems met so that they can sit and focus in second grade. Like this isn't where we want to focus. Sorry for all the F-bombs, but I'm like, "Ah." no, I mean, you're, you're speaking my language. So I have this diagram in my book and it's an analogy I've long used for parents and it's a tree. The roots of yep. the tree, there's eight roots. They're each a sense, right? So how I describe it to parents is this. If you think of a tree, our roots are our senses, but we can't see them. So mm-hmm. what do we see? We see the branch. We see the problem. So mm-hmm. what I don't believe that a little one is just naturally behavior behavioral behavior is communication. Well, what are they Mm -hmm. communicating to us? So it's our job to then look and say, okay, this is happening or they're struggling with this. Yes. Can we focus on that one little branch? Yes. But what's much more effective, let's look down at the cause. Let's look down at the roots. On the flip side, even before we notice anything from infancy, what do we want to do? We want to be focusing on the roots. So this brings me to how we play with our babies matters. How mm. we play with our toddlers matters. Our toys matter. It's about to be the holiday season, right? Everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. going to go wild with toys. I am like a toy critic. <laughs> and I'm with you. <laughs> and if I told you how much effort I put into, like, we're about to release our gift guide, how, gift guide, how much effort goes into this because our toys are playing for our children. And what do I mean by that? So, like, say you have a dog that you push the button. You know those, like, automatic dogs that they kind of, like, walk and they go, yeah, yeah, and they, like, bark, right? Right. So you push the button, they walk, and they bark, Okay. Well, what is that dog doing for our kids? It's playing for them. They're not deciding this is the adventure my dog is going to go on. They're not making the barking sound themselves. They're not moving the dog themselves. They're basically sitting and watching the dog move. And so even though that is not a screen, and this is no fault to parents because the reality is, is this is what's marketed towards them. Like I was in the aisle of Target. There was a jumperoo. And it said, like, good for gross motor skills. And I laughed because it's actually the quite opposite. And so... Well, listen, for my audience, let, let's take this a step further, though, because for my audience, number one, I'm just going to swipe your gift guide. So, like, I'm going to promote it because I usually put out a gift guide and it's so much work. So knowing that you're doing that, we'll share yours on Instagram. Um, but so my most of my clientele is aware of, say, that that barking dog. However... Boomer grandparents can't help themselves but buy all this shit at the dollar store. And so then they're like, what do I do with this crap? And then one thing that I struggle, that my clients struggle. So when I start working with somebody on behavior, I have them film their space because the open concept home has done us such a disservice because you fill it with shit upon shit. And so I was like, that child has too many toys and too many. So here's, okay. So yours might be the, the barking dog. Here's my grape, the clay kitchens with everything. I was like, <laughs> it's the fake food. I was like, no, that's not fun. Like the fun of playing with a fake kitchen is like getting some random rocks and a little bit of dirt and some like, you know, dust bunnies. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, so, like we've we've given them so many of the components that there's no imagination left. Yeah, and and I'm gonna actually share something with you that there's actually research to support that fewer toys is actually better. Why? Think of it this way. If they have fewer toys, they're going to play with each toy for a longer period of time and in different ways, right? So now we're pushing their problem solving. And that's what we want to do. And that is what we are not seeing preschoolers do at this current moment. And sadly, when you go to Target, which really is our new toy store, and listen, I love Target. Target's mug aisle. That's my aisle, okay? But... um, their toy aisle, what I wish I would see in it, I it's hard for me to find toys in Target. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. I there aren't many toys actually going to Target online has more, but they don't actually carry in store all of the great toys that they have online. So they carry a lot of toys in store that are very much these electronic um, kind of toys that play for you. But why do they do that? Because all these companies have done this great marketing and you think you're buying something good for your child, like, for instance, like Leapfrog, right? Baby Einstein. Um, All of these things, nobody knows because it says it right on the package. And that's why where I come in and I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Let's talk about the sensory system. Do you know what my favorite toy is? The recycling bin. Right. <laughs> oh my God. I have the best story. A little kid came to my mom's house and she, he, he was little and she said, well, <coughs> where are the toys? And she pointed to the toy bin that she had for my niece and nephew who were, ba- you know, young kids. And she had saved everything, like the cheese, the Parmesan cheese shaker, all the toilet paper rolls, everything. So this little kid comes in, he lifts the toy bin and he was like, this isn't the toy bin. This is the recycling. (laughs) I was like, no, that's the toy bin. (laughs) No, exactly. So that is where magic happens. It's the same with boredom. Magic happens in boredom. And I think what has happened, like coming back to this screen thing, you know, where kids can be on screens for so many hours, I don't blame parents. I think, you know, they're, you're right. It's a babysitter sometimes, but we want to start to get away from that. We want to teach them. When I say kids don't know how to play, that's kind of how we end up at screens because starting young, really young, we want to start teaching them to play and building the skill of independent play so that when they do get older, you know, they're able to play, sit and play by themselves in other ways than using a screen. You know, and that really, well, and is- I think this is really important. You guys listening, cause this is largely my clientele. If your kid is up your ass all day, every day, they have sensory needs that aren't being met. And it's, you know, whether or not you did it correctly in infancy or whatever, but that's what I'm trying to tell parents is it's not normal for your kid. It may be common, but it's not normal. And this is where parents do revert to screens because there's no distress tolerance on the parents' part to hear Mm -hmm. I'm bored. I'm bored. So the independent play, I mean, I have five and six year olds who can't play independently, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's a, that's, that's a sensory need. So what are the, um, Oh, I wanted to touch back to fewer toys. So it's, uh, you know, a couple of anecdotal stories for me is like my went to, I traveled a lot with my son when he was, you know, about five and he took what, like this one train, And that's all he played with. And he was perfectly happy. And after a really long trip, like three-week trip, I came home and I was like, we're done with all these toys. Because if that makes you happy, (laughs) like we don't need all this crap. But I also um, just told this story on a podcast. I just had an addition put on my house. And I wanted a yellow room with wood floors. I didn't know there were 8,000 colors of yellow. I didn't know there were 8,000 varieties of floors. And I was, Ellie, I was in tears because right. the choice paralysis was so real. And I was like, this is like a kid with two, with a full playroom full of toys with electronics and beeping and parts. And I was like, no wonder that kid is like dissatisfied or nudgy. You know, I call that kid who's like grumpy, cranky, pokey, and, you know? Yeah. And let's talk about just like regulation for a second and supporting a child's regulation. So we know that 
kiddos, sometimes they struggle to regulate, right? That's, that's typical, especially our sensory kiddos. And so what we want is to teach them about their body. So we talked about those three senses earlier and what we really want is for them to understand what their body needs here at play to progress. We call them body tools. And so if their body is needing something, we might say, Oh, I wonder if your body needs a body tool. We may offer body tools. It's never a punishment. It's always said gently and it always really comes on their choice, their volition. Right. Mm -hmm. But the younger we can teach them about what their body needs, their body tools, we always build cozy spaces. Regulation corners is how you may have heard them. We just call them cozy spaces because I think it sounds a little more kid-friendly. Right. But, um, you know, a spot that is never a timeout, by the way, but much more talked about first introduced when they're fully regulated as a spot for their body to go. It's tiny, it's tight, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a lot of sensory input. And so Mm -hmm. what does this mean? Maybe the tiny spot between your couch and your wall, and you have just a few pillows in there and a few body tools. Body tools often will provide proprioceptive input, but not too many. So in our cozy spaces, we have a little basket that has like two little body tools in it. And it's the basket. It's a tiny little basket that hangs on the wall. They can pick one off. Now, of course, we have built the space with sensory in mind, but I often will do home consults and it's very easy modifications to just add a little sensory corner right in the living room, right where the family is. So they don't feel like I have to leave, but I still need a break. And we're talking about this. I love this idea, Ellie, because I've been railing against, um, uh, calm corners because they took off and people on the internet, they were designed by parents who thought, you know, tons of books about emotions, emotion chart, like, mm-hmm. to- like sensory too overload much. and too much. And they were, and parents were using them as a time out or the child would get dysregulated and they were like, you need to go right. to the calm corner. And I was like, this is messed up. I don't like this, but I do like what you're saying. Um, a lot of my clients work really well with a burrito. Like the kids get in right. a blanket and they roll them up in full body hug compression. But I love the idea of just a tight little space that we all have, right? Maybe even it's a tablecloth over a coffee table or something where the child can go and have a couple of things. What are right. some of your body tools? So you're going to laugh at this, but one of my, they're very simple things. They're not at okay. all fancy. Like one of my favorite body tools, the purple mattress store gives away these purple mattress samples for free. One okay. day I walked in with a friend who was actually buying something there and they mm-hmm. handed me the sample and I start playing with it. And I'm like, this is great body tool. This is great. Oh, it's like squishy. It's squishy and you can get your fingers in it and really pull it. It gives a lot of probe. Oh, okay. Um, and so I then asked him, like, how many of these can I have? <laughs> and long story short, like, I've bought now, like, so many and we have them all around. That's a simple thing. It's free. If you have a purple mattress store nearby, walk in and grab one. It can be a fidget. It can okay, be cool. a hair clip. It okay. can be anything, Right. We have to figure out what works for your child. And these are things we're exploring together, both in a a regulated state. It's not in the middle of a meltdown. In the middle of a meltdown is our time to be quiet, to be a pillar of support. Yes, we don't just, you know, walk away, but you're, you're immediately lowering the sensory input. That includes your voice. Mm-hmm. As parents, when a child is melting down, what do we want to do? We want to be like, what about this? What about this? What about this? But that is actually adding more for them to process, it's adding more sensory any input. Any speaking, yeah. Exactly. And so we're nice and quiet. Now, when it comes to body tools, if you know a body tool helps them regulate, I don't hand it directly to them in the middle of a meltdown. Why? What will they do? They're going to throw it. I put it in a place that they can see it's within their eye shot and they come to it on their own. And so it's still them coming to it on their own. So I'm giving them probably getting to it is, is starting the regulation process is like, I can see I'm starting to make sense. I know I need that. Right. 
But the but we need to be talking about their body young. You know, we'll have three-year-olds who come to camp and they've never been with us for OT, anything like that, but they'll start to hear things like body tools and that we talk about. It's not even like we formally introduce it, but they really hear us talk about it as a group and constantly use it and model it. And then we had one little girl who's never been with us for OT, oh, but came to camp and has been hearing all these things and you know, then one day she stubbed her toe and it's a big deal for a three-year-old to stub their toe. It hurts, you know? And so I go over and I'm like, what do you need? And she's like, I need a body tool and a body break. She recognized this is what's going to help me feel better Mm -hmm. and, and went and used it and, you know, felt better and then came back to the group. We'll have kids who say, I need a break. They'll go take body break, then come back to the group. And so this is actually really, really important. And when we talk about spaces, really vital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think too, it's it's really interesting because again, in my private practice, there's such a, it's like everybody's aware that we need to be teaching like social emotional stuff, all these soft skills. We're aware of the sensory stuff. But it's so funny that it part of my work is like helping parents make it part of daily living. Like it's not, it's not a thing that like you take a class on or you, you know, maybe by the time somebody comes to OT, now there's there's been a deficit or a, a problem. Right. But like if we could all, like, I don't know, what if when we sat down to draw, we all drew our feelings, you know what I mean? Like starting to right. incorporate these things, like you said, like understanding at like the best thing you can give your kid is that gift of, I need a break. And so many parents, well, I don't want them to, they're so confused by all the information online. Well, if they take a break, they're, they, I should be with them and get, no, if a child clearly says I need a break, give them a freaking break and don't come exactly. back at them, you know? And we want to model it. How many times does a parent yes. need a break? Yes. You know, you as a parent can say, I need a break. I'm going to take a body break, you know? Yep, yep. I need a body tool, whatever it is that you need. It's one of those things that you'll, we need to model, right? Yeah. I keep body tools in the front seat of my car. So when I'm sitting at a red light, I play with body tools. That helps my body, right? And so whatever you need, you might chew on your pen. Guess what? You're getting probed from that. Right. And so point that out. We all I tell parents, you know, talk about all of our bodies need something different. And that's what we should be yeah, talking yeah. about in preschool. <clears throat> right? In oh my god, that'd be such a different thing. experience, right? If we were talking about that instead of like writing your alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. with the holidays coming, let's talk toys. What are some of your favorite toys? Cuz I think when parents hear um, sensory toys. I know there's this real push that you have to have neutral toned Montessori, like these like mm-hmm. super pricey, fancy aesthetics, which aesthetics can matter, but yeah, let's hear your favorite toys. And I, and I will tell you, I'm fully guilty that I'm such an aesthetic person when it comes to toys, yeah. but Maybe. like I, I do prefer pretty toys. I won't lie, but like you'll see in our toy guide, we have a lot of toys from the company Gong. Gong is, um, I feel like it's not that well known of a brand, to tell you the truth. Mm, I've never heard it, I don't think. But they have... G-O-N-G? G-O-N-G-E. Okay. And they have really incredible toys that provide really great sensory input and vestibular input within the home, which can be harder, right? Because we rely mm-hmm. on a lot of swings and different things. They have something called a top. And it's basically like an upside down, like triangle, basically. And the kids can sit inside of it and then you can get it moving and kind of really spinning. So what I look for in toys is a lot of movement. And I, I go heavy on movement because we hit a lot of the other toys typically. And then we forget about buying toys that, that provide movement. Right. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. And these toys are really so important. And so little things like that, there's something called a billabo where they sit in and spin. Um, I 
I kind of prefer the gong to the Bilbo. It's just bigger. Um, and I think it provides a little bit more. Um, yeah. Or the old fashioned sit and spin, right? <laughs> the sit and spin now, and now they have tons of sit and spins and look how hard yeah. that is bilateral coordination wise. We did it all the time. That's a tricky thing. A lot of kids don't know what to do with a sit and spin. Pick Yeah, I can imagine. And it's kind of heavy. Right? Yeah. Because you're moving your own weight. Yeah. Pickler triangles, pickler arches. I think those are incredible toys. And those you'll find all over Etsy. Now there's some mainstream brands making them. I feel like most of the mainstream brands are still on Etsy. A lot of very handmade. Um, but those are really some of my most favorite toys that are providing like climbing. The brands I tend to go to is Hape. I like Hape. I like plan toys. Um, yeah, we did a lot of plan toys. Yeah, plan toys is great. Uh, you know, I tend to go, I won't lie, to like European brands. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, both Hape and plan toys, those are both on Amazon. So okay. you can get them from Amazon. I don't think they're at Target, um, but you can get them on Amazon. And Well, what I'd like to pull back towards, too, is, like, you kind of say that almost with, like, a little bit of, like, I'm not, uh, you know, like, oh, they might be pricier. But I want to encourage parents, like, more is not better. So exactly. a couple of really well-made pieces that your kids are not only going to play with for years, but that provide hours of entertainment and sensory input is going to be worth it. Cause I think what happens in the holidays, and this is definitely what happens with grandparents is the more, more presents under the tree, more stuff to open. And so that's how we get overloaded, but also it can seem daunting to buy something that maybe is, I don't know how much these toys are, but if it's a hundred, $200, like, Oh my God, that's so much for one thing. But if it's going to provide all the things, right, especially if you have a kid who is showing they need some more sensory input, I would argue all kids do. But, you know, if you're having issues, these are so much more worth it. Exactly. And that and that is exactly the point. And so what I always say is don't focus on quantity, but focus on quality. Yeah. And really focus on what is this toy going to provide. Um, We don't want toys that are, you know, are going to play for our kids. And so we also want to look for toys. We always, I find that we always forget the movement aspect of gift giving. Um, one of my favorite gifts also, by the way, is like a national geographic kids magazine subscription Mm -hmm. and things like that, like little things that that's not, that's not too pricey at all. And look, every month then they have this magazine to learn about the world. And maybe then they go outside and they go bug catching, you know? Right, right, right. Or a a bug catcher. Like that is a popular toy. Great. You know, let them go explore. Yeah. There's a gardening, gardening kits, um, things like that are really gonna get them outside. Even mm-hmm. if I'm a big fan of the door gyms, you know, that you've set up a pull-up bar and then they've got yeah. hanging, uh, you know, rings or I used to be an aerialist in the circus. So I like the new aerial rigs that people can install in their houses. Um, yeah. Anything like that. I think those are great. Especially Avonler toys. Um, that's a brand that does a lot of things like that. And they have some pretty like easy to install ones as well and stands and different things for in the house that actually fold up. So that's another brand that I really like that does have these things. Yeah. And I think too, like I always go back to like the floor is lava. Like you have, don't get trapped. People get so trapped in like I don't know, I'll say something like, oh, you know, like a slack line is really great. And people are like, oh, it must be nice to have a yard. Like we're in this place of like social media where you can't say anything anymore. <laughs> Somebody's got right. something bad to say about it. But I'm like, don't be, or, oh, I'm stuck in an apartment. I can't do anything. And I'm like, yeah, you can, you can, there's so much you can do even in small spaces, you know, even if, um, 
like the floor is lava building forts. My kid, when Pascal was like seven, Les Mis, the movie came out and the, um, the kids all loved it. Les Miserables. And so they'd come to my house cause I had this huge beanbag chair and I'd let them build the French barricade so they could play like the, the French revolution. <laughs> so they'd build it with chairs and, you know, and it was like that, like I didn't have a great, a huge space, but allowing kids to play open-ended in the way they want to, right? Not playing the toys playing for them. I think that's a really good, succinct way of saying it. Exactly. Exactly. We want them to play with their toys, not their toys playing for them. I love Lincoln Logs. Yeah. Simple toys. Yeah. Really simple toys. We did for years. Like when, once he started, like, you know, every stick was special. Like every time right. we went down a, uh, and so I was like, why do I even have toys? We had baskets of sticks and feathers and, you know, and I was always amazed like sticks and rocks can become anything they can be roads in the rocks or cars like just that really imaginative play and the house had my house had this like nice nature theme going on for a while totally totally no exactly and so think simple don't think you know high tech any of that um really think simple think of what you want too do you exactly i don't know one person who stays regulated with all the dinging and the danging going on with battery operated toys and these things right so if you don't want it get it out of your and I always tell parents this too so you brought up something what do I do when grandparents buy the battery operated thing fine they buy the battery operated truck that moves just don't put batteries in it just yeah. play with it. Or when the batteries, batteries run out that, Oh, I'm sorry. It's broken. You don't just don't let them know there's batteries. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, that's it. Just take the batteries out. Oops. You know? Yeah. And just play with the car. Like that's what I tell parents all the time. Like just take them out. It's fine. Yeah. And also educating grandparents. Um, that's a big thing. And we see a lot of grandparents that come around to it and they get it. And you know, it's the same, like earlier I was talking about this, the difference between just kind of being mesmerized on a screen and really a kid truly sustaining attention and playing with a toy for a long period of time and in different ways. Like when parents first come to us, they don't know, right? They, they truly think those are the same. They have no clue. But then as soon as we educate, we see this shift. It's all about education and the same goes for grandparents. So I think too, like one thing with, with the people I work with is that we have to approach when we're trying to educate anybody like grandparents, we can't get contentious and like, mom, he's not, you know, so one, exactly. how I solved it is my dad, like loved, just loved all the blinking toys. Cause he thought that was, you know, he's 78. He's like, this is a great, the fire right. truck that like makes noise, you know? And then I was showing him cause my son had these garbage trucks that were manually operate, you know, it was all, they didn't make noise. And he, those were the hit alley kids would come to my house just to play with these garbage trucks and they would play for hours. And so my dad, I, we were just watching Pascal play. And I said, do you see what he's doing with the fire truck? And he said, well, he's just pressing buttons. And I was like, yeah. Cause he just went, cause those noises are like addictive. I said, but watch how he plays with the garbage truck. And he was able to see. So I didn't even have to do any, I just pointed out observing and he was right. able to say, Oh, well the buttons aren't that fun. Yeah. There you go, dad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it's really explaining and really meeting everyone where they're at. And I think you and I, Jamie, like, that's why we do what we do. Like there's no shame to, if you choose to have battery operated toys, that's your choice. You know, there isn't any shame in that either. And I think just making it being mindful, like in trying to limit it where you can, you know, everyone's going to have a battery operated toy or two. They will. There's just like, yeah. And like all things I feel like we need to premise these days is it's not shaming or guilting, but if you are seeing behavioral problems with your kids, we have to go to the tree. We have to go to the roots, you know? And I think this is one of those things that parents don't realize, like too many toys, too many stimulating toys, too many quote unquote educational apps on iPads and phones that are just dopamine, you know, machines of like, ding, 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 you get three stars. Now you can put a collar on your pet cat that like, they have all these things that are like quote unquote educational. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's, it's no different than watching Cocomelon. You know, it's not creation. It's, it's. And that's when I 
in pushing up against. And that's what I want to fight is I want to help parents understand that these aren't educational. And, you know, like what you said earlier, like if you need a babysitter for a moment and you're using that screen for the babysitter and let's recognize that, you know, and, um, but exactly. But I think this kind of false marketing we see around toys is what really bothers me. It's really what triggers me because I see like, oh, look, there's this toy in the aisle at Target and it is totally right on the box, has all these false claims. And I know a parent is not going to know they're going to buy that and they're going to think that's good for their child. And it's actually doing the exact opposite. And so when I say like, if you, you know, are choosing to have a few battery toys, great, have a few. Um, That's, you know, don't, I'm not trying to guilt, don't feel guilty about it, but it's also knowing I want parents to understand the false claims that are out there and like this false marketing and things like that. Like our jumper ruse are yeah. all these things, you know? Well, I'm all about being honest with ourselves. And so like, yes, if you need to use screen time as a babysitter, I get it, man. Yeah. But don't fool yourself and say, well, at least they're doing something educational. No, exactly. they'd be better off with a slow moving curious George episode. Like we can, there can be slower consumption, like you said, on a TV, not on an iPad. It's like, be honest with yourself. Look, I need a break. I need 30, I need this kid on a screen for 30 minutes, but don't try to trick yourself with like, oh, the 30 minutes is good because it's educational. Right. (laughs) When it's not. (laughs) And picking things, just like you said, I always said, when you're going to these things, you know, pick things like PBS on a TV over Cocoa Melon. Yeah. 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 Sweet. So your book is Play to Progress. And are you, where are you, can you tell people where to find you? Yes. So my book is Play T.O. Progress. Company is Play the Number Two Progress. Um, So a little, a little confusing there. (laughs) Um, But um, if you're local to Los Angeles, come. We have parent and me classes as well as therapy Um, we have two locations and a satellite location here in LA, and then you can find the book anywhere where books are sold. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have an Instagram or I don't do Facebook. I totally forgot that part. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us at play the number two progress. That's our Instagram handle. I also have a separate Instagram handle, dr.allytickton. Oh, perfect. Thank you, Allie. This has been great. Like, I, it's, you know, before we started recording, I was like, yeah, just to let you know, like I preach the same thing, but it's just always so good to hear it from different people. And these body sure. tools, I love that they're not a, a medical device that you need, or, you know, a specific sensory toy that you need, that these can be things that you discover with your child. So this has been so helpful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. Okay, bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.